This week in the parish of bourses and market structure, London Stock Exchange Group double down, is ISS independent, the UK curtails MIFID 2, and results are mixed, as Interactive Brokers and NASDAQ display classy performances. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Bourse Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast, episode 91. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. This is a very brief reduction of highlights amongst the key headlines from the week in market structure. All the analysis of the many events and happenings can be found in Exchange Invest's daily subscriber newsletter, the unique guide to the bourse business sent daily to your inbox. More details at exchangeinvest.com. In the week when Interactive Brokers and NASDAQ led with roaring results. Well done. Let's concentrate on that brilliance thing, something which Exchange Invest itself was launched as a newsletter to applaud. It feels like dog years in the current lockdown state of near stasi restrictions on our everyday lives. By the by, was I alone in reading an article the other day on the truly brutal crackdown on anti-regime protesters in Belarus, which left me musing that it seems even in Minsk, where displaying red and white garments can get you a savage beating in prison, that nonetheless you can wander around breathing God's air unaided without a face mask. Anyway, I digress. I mentioned the other week the success of IFAB, that's Ice Futures Abu Dhabi, and the momentum shows no sign of slowing, albeit RSI, I don't mean relative strength index, of course, I mean repetitive strain injury, may yet befall the Ice PR team. Anyway, we're now at a record of 18,848 Merban crude oil futures. That took place on April the 20th, just before this podcast was recorded, which I think you will find amounts to significantly more than, for instance, the first month of entire trading on the International Petroleum Exchange's Brent crude futures. And of course, what do we know about crude oil these days? Well, nowadays it's billion barrel a day, Brent crude futures. Meanwhile, if we peel back the numbers, we can see that substantively there have been, well, just 17 clear trading days before ICE got so achingly close to the 20,000 contract marker. Because, of course, Easter closed many markets, where also, it seems, the bubble in beach huts really got going in parts of Europe. Plus, of course, Ramadan began last week, which often saps a bit of energy from Middle Eastern markets. Of course, this all happens hashtag despite COVID, but I think we can resolutely say the best markets of the parish are ops oblivious to the pox. It's been another week of mixed analysis for Coinbase. The stock has been trading with a lot of volatility during the course of the week. Some are saying the stock is headed to, good grief, at least 600, which is roughly doubling from where it is as I speak. Meanwhile, in other news, Wall Street's branch of Delusionists Anonymous is targeting a reopening of its Manhattan branch as the COVID threat abates. See also, incidentally, on this theme of Coinbase, my article in CapEx, Is Coinbase the Future or a Digital South Sea Bubble? You can find that at capex.com. Don't forget, of course, that I, Patrick Young, fintech pioneer, cultivate the water cooler of markets in the COVID era at Exchange Invest. 
exchangeinvest.com, the Bourse Business Daily Newsletter. Equally, if you're looking for some longer reading from my pen and pixel, don't forget my latest book, Victory or Death, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency and the Fintech World, published by DV Books and distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Over at the London Stock Exchange, their largest stockholder, Linzel Train, which is managed by a man called Nick Train, they own a 4.2% stake in LSE Group, and they've said the London Stock Exchange must put more cash into its refinitive acquisition. The exchange should invest more and sooner if necessary, said Train, to fix the long-standing problems with Refinitiv. Good grief, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to hashtag bottomless pitonomics 101. I'm minded to wonder just how much concentration risk Mr. Train has, by the way, as London Stock Exchange Group is his largest single fund investment and not merely a couple of billion punt on the overall future of the LSE Group and its ability to integrate or not the Refinitiv organisation with or without more money. At the same time, I suppose London Stock Exchange Group should be delighted that Mr. Train thinks the LSEG has the management resources to fix the problems of Refinitiv, which have stumped generations of hands-on managers, whereas London Stock Exchange Group has the same, well, not-so-hands-on managers running Refinitiv, who even last week after lockdown eased and the UK seethed with thirsty souls, would have been challenged organising a suitable drinking session. Incredible news from Charles Schwab. They added 3.2 million brokerage accounts in the first quarter. That was more than the entirety of 2020. And indeed, 3.2 million was about the number of investors in the entire Russian stock market before the whole COVID cum Reddit thing really kicked off during 2020. That trading mania is really pushing the Charles Schwab results and also, as we'll hear in a moment, helped interactive brokers too. Over at ISS, they're institutional shareholding services, people who anonymously offer you all sorts of content and input on where you should vote at AGMs and generally giving school report cards on the management of all sorts of publicly listed companies. Well, they've been driven to releasing a statement, the statement regarding ISS policy of non-interference and potential conflicts of interest related to Deutsche Börse. I really wish I could believe this. Remember, Deutsche Börse is the same hectoring, arrogant corporate structure which sued the European Commission over one of their previous attempts where Deutsche Börse was flagrantly attempting to breach European antitrust laws. Deutsche Börse nowadays, of course, is the owner of ISS in what I remarked at the time looked like a horribly dubious deal given a lack of due diligence simply because there's such a huge conflict of interest. Taken at face value. This announcement suggests ISS will independently hold Deutsche Börse to account. Frankly, I don't really believe that. But the biggest issue is not that now we must struggle to trust ISS with Deutsche Börse, but we must struggle to trust ISS anywhere in the parish. It strikes me that the statements offered by ISS to date would not actually pass muster if a third party said it, and therefore it was in plain sight of ISS's independent analysis. Incredible numbers about capitalism this week. The United States controls 56% of the world's total stock market value. Bravo USA, rest of the world, time for a catch-up. 
Meanwhile, NYSE's market value is surpassing the entire GDP of the United States of America. The US dominance of stock market capitalization shows the opportunities in many nations and indeed the colossal failure of the European Union to coalesce their customs union towards investment prosperity. Swinging note of apology this week, the National Stock Exchange of Australia, that's the minnow competitor to the ASX, it mostly concentrates on SME stock. The Australian Financial Review offered a swinging apology to the managing director and a lead shareholder of NSX, John Carantzis. The esteemed Australian Financial Review, which is of course the equivalent of the likes of the Wall Street Journal in the Antipodes, has walked back many previous accusations, including money laundering and also rather pithy headlines such as More Alternative Facts from I Sign This Boss, John Carantzis. Seems to me that the AFR probably paid a pretty penny for their apology to boot. It was a super busy week for results in the parish. Same thing goes for next week, of course. All the deals were in Exchange Invest Daily, the water cooler of markets. The newsletter no person can afford to be without in the capital markets and market structure. For the sake of this podcast, let's just look at a few edited highlights. I touched upon Schwab's spectacular numbers earlier in this podcast. Meanwhile, Interactive Brokers, they added several hundred thousand new clients, not the 3.2 million of Schwab, but nonetheless, their results were utterly spectacular. Quarterly earnings of 98 cents per share, beating the Zacks consensus estimate of 90 cents per share. 72% pre-tax profit margins, up from what was already year on year in the first quarter, an eye-popping 58% last year. Flow traders, they had good numbers too, but the highlight of the exchange world and pure exchange play was, of course, NASDAQ with their very, very strong profits, helped, of course, by the huge boom in stock market listing in the USA. As we mentioned earlier, 56% of the world's stock markets. The 21% increase in revenue compared to the previous year amounts to an excellent testimony to the management skills of Adina Friedman and her team. Disappointingly, Deutsche Börse didn't keep up with this. More disappointingly still, they tried to justify the fact that they'd previously said they wouldn't manage to make up to the standards of the rest of the parish. In Young's Pyramid, Nasdaq has momentum and as I speak, DB1 is in its sights. Market cap of Nasdaq is now above $26 billion and moving well, while DB1 is below $33.5 billion and looks, at best, becalmed. One interesting deal snippet this week, NASD, N-A-S-D, that is, by the way, nothing to do with the United States of America, NASD or Nasdaq, it's the Nigerian automated securities dealing system, an independent platform for SME and other equities, they've admitted Nigerian exchange PLC shares to trading. There's only one daily news source for the business of bourses, Exchange Invest, the exchange of information. Exchange Invest publishes the daily digest of everything in the market structure industry around the world in a user-friendly email briefing format from Monday to Friday. With additional pith by former Exchange CEO and long-standing fintech pioneer Patrick L. Young, yes, that's me, Exchange Invest is the unique one-stop shop for the daily news in markets, market operators and related functions. 
Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me, patrick at derivativesvision.com. Elsewhere, Euronext, they've got the nod from Italy's Consob for their takeover of Borsa Italiana. However, Borsa Italiana itself is subject to quite a lot of political wrangling at the moment. It seems, as I mentioned last week, that more and more of the nation's elite want to see Euronext concomitantly giving an equivalence of directorship and indeed management to the Italians as they will become the largest stock market in the Euronext empire if the deal is consummated. New markets this week, Guangzhou's exchange kicked off. It's going to be offering a hedge for carbon emissions trading amongst many other commodity products. And of course, it's interesting because on that market, Hong Kong Exchanges and Clearing holds a 7% stake. Product news this week. Deutsche Börse, they're threatening, as we record this podcast, to delist Coinbase stock from Zitra and Frankfurt Trading. It seems that it's a lazy issue at DB1. That's L-E-I for the identifier for stocks. Somebody's filed the wrong paperwork. It'll be interesting to discover just who made this admin error. In better news for Coinbase, options on Coinbase Global started trading on April the 20th. A massive day of volatile and exciting trading eventuated, and it seems that Coinbase is going to remain an investor favourite for quite some time to come. After all, who needs the tote pool at Finger Lakes when you can speculate on Coinbase and get way more time value for your money than a mere bet on the horses? Hashtag seriously, I'm glad to see Coinbase options listed as it will allow some judicious positioning of investment approaches around the parish. Now, in options trading per se, the big news of the week was the remarkable fee cut by OCC, the Options Clearing Corporation. They're the people who clear all of the major single stock markets in the United States of America as a monopoly, amongst other products. They also clear the likes of SIBO's Futures Exchange too. Anyway, OCC announced a clearing fee reduction down to two cents. That means over the course of the last few years, during the Craig Donoghue era of CEO and chairman, the OCC have brought clearing fees down by over 60%. Moreover, they've brought them down from 5.5 cents per contract to 2 cents. That is simply astounding. Those sorts of price cuts at the same time, while exciting for Coinbase options traders, must surely strike fear into the heart of the management of Coinbase itself. If only we could manage to see a Bitcoin trade that could clear for even 20 cents let alone the two cents that the Options Clearing Corporation is managing on what amounts to currently something like $30,000 worth of premium in the likes of Coinbase Options. Technology news this week. SEBI, they find two trading members in the National Stock Exchange, the NSE co-location case, as that continues to be a presumably lucrative money spinner for the Indian regulator who fined a series of exchange executives in recent months. Robinhood, they had a trading outage on their crypto trading side, while meanwhile, China's central bank is looking to build its own fintech cloud at the same time as it increasingly looks at oversight of big tech in the wake of those huge fines on the like of Ant Financial and Alibaba just recently. 
digital asset, the people behind DAML, the digital asset market language, they raised $120 million in a Series D growth round to expand actually the whole data network for DAML itself. Their attempt to try and create an all-encompassing universe for the settlement of issues. That means to date that DAML have raised over six funding rounds, some $307.2 million. Most interesting, perhaps, of all two parishioners is the fact that exchange investors include ASX, the Australian Stock Exchange, CME, ICAP, and, of course, Deutsche Börse. They've all been investors, but it seems they didn't put in money in the latest round. What does that tell us about the future of digital asset? A lot of speculation, methinks, on the topic. Regulation this week, complaints and worries that the Securities Exchange Commission of the USA is becoming woke. That was in an opinion piece in the Jerusalem Post. While elsewhere, as the New York Times put it quite pithily in a headline, crypto is minting lobbyists. Yes, I'm just minded to wonder how much due diligence is being entertained by these particular lobbyists, all seemingly senior political and regulatory figures, when they're looking at just who they're going to be lobbying for in their race to accept crypto-based lucre. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. Meanwhile, ladies and gentlemen, two interesting statistics to bear in mind. Well, one of them is just a headline. The Communist News Network, CNN, noted in a headline this week, Trump said electing Biden would crash the markets. It didn't. Mm, I have to say, I think that that might just be a premature action at this point in time, looking at the incredible froth of the US market. And indeed, the fact that, well, you know, Biden's spending a trillion dollars here and a trillion dollars there. I mean, sooner or later, we're going to be talking about, well, real money. Equally, in China, short selling of stocks has reached a near record high. What does that mean for markets? Well, it certainly means there's going to be a big trading debate in the parish for many weeks to come. And on that magnificent and mysterious note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. Thank you for listening to this 91st episode of the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast for this week, April the 24th, 2021. Wishing you a great week in life and markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only. The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.